0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Well Podcast. This is Amber bringing you another amazing story, just as great and unique as the others. Just as a heads up, we are planning to continue during the summer. We will have the Well in June, but in July we are taking a break from the live event. But we have something special in place for the podcast, we hope. That something special is still in some discussion, but we dream big here, my friends. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. Ashley is with us this month to share her world with you and me. Ashley has more glamour in her little finger than I do in my whole body, and no amount of Photoshop is ever going to change that. She would be intimidating if she weren't just so much dang fun. And a little treat this month, maybe, depending on how you look at this, but yours truly got to interview her. And she and I sure had some fun up there. So here we go with Ashley's story. I'm going to introduce you guys to um, our friend that we're going to meet this month. Um, her name is Ashley Mack. And I know Ashley because we work together in youth group, and um, she doesn't know I'm going to say this about her, but I, she is one of those people for me that I cannot say her name without saying Ashley Mack. Like, she sounds... <laughs> she, and looks. She looks so Hollywood to me. And... So, when I first met her, she was doing something really glamorous, like propping up a kid on one hip, and she had her other child in a stroller, and we were at a youth event, and I was terrified to talk to her, because she just had this adorable little Audrey Hepburn bob, and then someone was like, that's Ashley Mack, and I was like, well, I'm not talking. Like, I I don't know what to say. And so, here's my friend Ashley Mack, who some people that are very strong call Ashley, and... (laughs) Um, But she is, like, super cool and so fun to get to know. So, Ashley,
1: tell us about yourself. Hey, um, well, I'm excited to be here. Uh, Yes, we do work in the youth ministry together, and I had no clue. I don't... Normally, when people see me, you see me with one or two of my children with me, but yeah. Um, Well, I'm married. I uh, have two amazing little ones mm-hmm. that I was blessed to give birth to. And then I was also blessed with a heart child from my husband's previous marriage. So he is 12. And that's a whole nother story. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's um, that's home life. and um, So did you grow up here? Where are you from? I did not. Okay. I was born in New York. Okay. So I was born in Brooklyn. And um, my parents separated. So we spent... the bulk of our time we ended up coming down to South Carolina and it was a really big culture shock because we came down to a a town called Eastover and I I don't expect anybody to know what that is (laughs) the fact that y'all are laughing that means you know oh yay (laughs) (laughs) so you understand it's basically like a street past like before you get to Sumter, but it's like cows (laughs) and horses and um My grandfather was a brick mason in New York, and he had a craft, and they left this beautiful brownstone to build a brick ranch, basically, down in Eastover. Mm -hmm. So um, I spent bulk of my childhood Uh, during the year, I would be here, and then summers, I would spend time in New York, so I would like to say that I'm a New York person, but no, I'm country, and I love it, and um, I have New York tendencies, hence, you know, my aggression at times, but um, that's, yeah, that's... uh, Like intolerance of the heat down here since... No, you know what? I love the heat now. I don't oh, like no. the cold. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't believe it or not. I do not like the cold. So That's funny.
0: Well, what, what brought you down here then? Why why'd you move?
1: It was, um, I was a toddler at the time when we initially moved. And okay. it was uh, my parents, they separated. So that ended up bringing us down. And we were living with my maternal grandmother. Okay. And um, it was a very fun and interesting childhood. <laughs> So um, that's how we got from New York. And it was, like I said, culture shock, but a good culture shock. Right. It it was. Life lessons. So did you do all all your schooling in Eastover? I didn't actually. um, Elementary school and all that stuff happened, and then I ended up, my mom... Bless her heart. She decided that I needed to go to private school and a small private school here in Columbia. So that's where I started uh, middle school and high school. And it was um, very, very interesting. It was not New York? It wasn't. No. It was, it was the very deep part of the South. Mm-hmm. So just, yeah. So, um, but no, it, um, coming from New York, all races, all diversities, all types of ethnicities, mm-hmm. everything you can imagine—you're exposed to. And my family, very much so, is a melting pot of that. So to come and to be in a small private school
2: mm-hmm.
1: in uh, Columbia—it it, was—it was very interesting. It was yeah. very interesting. So it was um, a hard transition. Yeah, a hard transition. But you know, I understood it gave me an opportunity to have an education that obviously, you know, was, was great. And, um, you know, for me to be able to experience the world and experience things that I would not have if I would have gone to the schools that, you know, Eastover zoned for. So Right, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So what, what was it like there for you then?
1: It was the start of, of everything. I'm just joking. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, it was... I don't know how to say it in, in, I guess it was just interesting for someone who didn't see difference Mm -hmm. to come into a school where your primary reason for being there is because you're different.
0: Now, what do you mean by, for me, it was
1: different. I was the first black girl in that class not the school don't get scared it was just that class Mm -hmm. so out of my graduating class was 60 give or take 10 that we lost over the years Mm -hmm. and um honestly my race didn't even feel like the bigger issue at first it was my parents were divorced and everyone else were you know doctors and lawyers and basketball player children and you know I'm in here like well hey how y'all doing you know so. and they were like tell me more about this brick mason you know it was like you know well you don't talk like you're from New York I'm mm-hmm. like well I mean you don't look like a doctor's child so let's not- <laughs> <laughs> let's not throw stones here yeah. people right so yeah it was um, middle school for how me how long was- did it
0: take you to realize that not just like your race was different, but they had this sort of different life mapping than you did so
1: far. Honestly, middle school was a breeze. Um, at that time, you know, you'll be friends with the tree. Everyone was just lovely and happy, and it was very sweet. And um, high school is when everything changes. Hmm. Because it was the first time that I really got hit with reality. And it was... Um, you have a crush on someone but you are you shouldn't. You're not you know, that's if you say that, then obviously there'll be consequences on behalf of their family or things of that nature. And mm. um I remember just feeling so confused and I got really angry. Yeah. Because sure. I understood, you know, great, I need a good education, but I'm socially scarred now. Like, you know, I, I want to have friends that don't see difference because I didn't. I was very naive to that, very naive to that. So, um, you know, by that time, my parents had, my dad had remarried and um, my stepmother's from Wisconsin. So it was just like yet another reason I didn't see difference. I mean, Wisconsin. You know, and, um, (laughs) you know, so I just kind of sat there and it was just like, this isn't going to change. Right. And I had to grow up very quickly where yeah. a lot of my friends, a lot of people in the surroundings, they didn't see that. And um, <clears throat> where most of the girls were finding their identity, I completely lost mine. Hmm. I yeah. didn't understand. Um, you know, I wasn't enough of this to fit in over here. I wasn't enough of that to fit in over there. Um, your family in itself is going through, or you know, they're going through things. My parents went through a very long separation before they actually got divorced. So it was a lot of tension.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, oddly enough, not between my parents, but between the outside family members who I guess just didn't want to let go. But They all know better. You know. Right. It was a, it was an opportunity where everyone else, you know, they just started finding their own. And um, I didn't. I got angry and I didn't understand why things weren't easier. And it was little things in adult hindsight, but big things then, you know, like, why do I have to take my brother to prom? Like, that's not fair. I want to take the person I really want to take to prom. Right. You know, so it's things like that. But um, it was a really tough, just
0: a tough four years. Did you have anybody to talk to about it during that time? Oh, I was embarrassed.
1: Because my family, we're like I said, we're a melting pot. So yeah. those types of issues, they didn't understand, and you don't want to burden your parents. Um, let me just tell you, when you are the product of divorce, you carry burdens in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, blended families, as a whole, you—I was the child that felt like I can get them back together. Mm-hmm. So when you have that feeling and you realize no that's not going to happen you start having oh, okay well i wasn't quite enough to make that happen so i'll just tuck that away and worry about it at a later date and then you get pushed into a school setting which you know at the time high school's life you know yeah, so for sure. you're in that environment and now it's well um you're not quite enough for the whole young love because you know you your skin tone's not the right color right. or your you know, socioeconomic status isn't the right color or I mean the right status or you're not, you know, your parents don't have the right this or whatever. And I kind of just sat there and was like, wow, all these tick marks, they're just chipping away at, I guess, who I was supposed to be. But everyone around me was so strong in who they were. And um, I was very much so despite (laughs) Your perception of me, I am very tomboyish to a T. Do not let the pink heels fool you. I did not dress myself at all. Um, I did not. I did not, I promise. Um, But I, you know, my, I came from an environment where, you know, my mom in New York, my mom was a model. My dad literally met her off of the runway and they had this amazing love story. And it was just like, you know, I came out with, like, broad shoulders and, you know, really weird <laughs> knees and stuff. And I'm like, this makes no sense how, like, why did this happen to, I am my dad with braids. It's so not fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you have this, this appearance and you walk through the halls and you see these beautiful girls. And um, I have never had a filter. So that just makes things so much worse because it's like... Oh, boy. What did you say? Everything I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I, but I opened up with, you know I love you, right? Right.
0: <laughs> and you learn that fast in the South.
1: You do. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Um, <laughs> My favorite phrase was, bless your heart, until I realized that was really nasty to say to people. I used it way too much in the wrong context. And then I learned, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That's a
0: lot to put on yourself between, like, you know, feeling like you're responsible for getting your parents back together. And then you're responsible for being, like, the token black person in your class. And then feeling like, how am I supposed to manage that? That's, I mean, it's a... On top of already being a teenager, and I guarantee you, all those beautiful girls also didn't feel great about themselves. Yeah, but we don't know that when we're teenagers. Exactly. You know, there's we're we're a long way from that. Yeah. What, what was your spiritual life at home in that at this point?
1: My spiritual life um, definitely was not a Shandon. Um, it was my grandmother. I am the sole product of a praying grandmother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My mom learned from her, and we all learned from her. My grandfather passed away when I was very early age, but he knew the Bible in and out, and um, that, that spirit echoed throughout the house. Mm-hmm. but um, you know my grandmother she taught herself how to read you know and she left school out of, after fifth grade in order wow. to help work her family so, for her family so a lot of what she shared was God. Father, God. Mm -hmm. There wasn't much talk of Jesus. Hmm. So for me, it was just Father, God. Now this is coming to a hormonal, angry, I mean pissed off teenager Mm -hmm. who has daddy issues. And Mm -hmm. you're telling me about a Father, God. That was just all wrong. So um, I did everything I could to rebel against everything that I saw. Hmm. I wasn't crazy enough to like physically, you know, like rebel against her. Like I'd still pray to humor her. But, you know, I no, I was so angry. I didn't understand. I didn't understand how she could have so much faith. But I was hurting. Yeah. And I was hurting in secret because, you know, you're you grow up in a household or in a family and you're surrounded by strong women. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Everyone was strong. Everybody did, you know, each woman just embodied, like, this primary theme to their life. You know, my mom was sacrificed. My grandmother was the Proverbs 31 woman. You know, my aunt, everyone, like, they just embodied this. How could I say, like, no, this, I'm hurting, or I'm broken. Yeah, right. So you keep that, and you hold on to it, and you just move through life. So you just pretend at home. Yeah. I went into the wrong profession. I should have been an actress. <laughs> Honestly, I think you could have. Yeah, you went in. You know, you just keep it to yourself.
0: Um, okay. So you did you? We fin- you finished high school there?
1: I did, and then I graduated high school and um, tucked everything away. Was still pretty angry, uh, but college came. Okay, and college got better. Yeah, of course it did. College years was just amazing. Um, y'all, my husband told me one thing tonight. He said, Ashley, I just want you to pray and just be great, but please don't curse. So I'm going to do my best. I just don't want to get blamed for this. So if you see me pause, it's because I am going through what I'm going to say prior. And, it's just, it? it is not because I'm not comfortable. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Um... So- <laughs>
0: All right, we're going to not curse together. There you
1: go. All right, there you go. College will bring it out in you. College will. Okay, what happened in college? It was fantastic. Um, I went to school and I just thought, you know what? I'm going to study theology just to prove you that God is not real. I was that angry. Hmm. And um, right before college, we went through a bit of a financial hardship. So the school that I wanted to go to and I signed my certificate of intent for, I ended up not being able to go to because financially it wasn't feasible. Right. And, you know, I found out too late. So I ended up going to a school down at the beach and the terrible decision. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it just yeah, it was a great opportunity to be exposed. I don't really know how to say that nicely. I'm sorry.
0: But, um... Sounds like there, there's a downward spiral that's about to happen to the beach. It
1: did. You know, it was one of those opportunities where you really just had to, you, I, I should have had prayer, and I didn't. So when you go down there and you're angry, you just decide, I am going to find everything that can make me numb. Yeah. And that's what happened. I, I went into the darkest place that I could. Starting at 18 years old. Yeah. And in the midst of that, I still knew how, before every visit, before every call home, I knew how to put on my makeup to a T and make sure that no one knew anything was going on. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, you'd been practicing that for a couple of years already.
1: I had. Mm-hmm. I had. And it was. At that point, the identity was so lost that I I believed anybody who said I was what I thought was right. So everything worldly, if you looked at me and was, oh, you're beautiful, then I love you. Mm -hmm. You know, if it was that type of situation for me, it was I just felt so empty and I didn't understand where I was supposed to get that that refilling or that fueling or whatever from it Mm -hmm. it didn't there was nothing there so um had you started
0: talking to even a friend at this point about like how angry you were you were one friend
1: okay I started talking to one friend and she was a little older than me and ironically we both were the product of praying grandmothers except um she was from Charleston Mm -hmm. and her grandmother her grandmother was just like mine And um, we were petrified of them. So obviously God knew what he was doing. You know, Uh he knew what he was doing. But anyhow, so, you know, you go through college and it starts speeding up and Mm -hmm. um, just downward spiral. So what happened to college? I decided that enough is enough. Uh, I couldn't disprove anything else. Mm -hmm. I was just a ticking time bomb. Mm -hmm. And... um, I got it was a place where you have so many voids, but everything that you're trying to fill them with fails. Mm -hmm. So you go from being angry to just sad and now you're just miserable. So you're walking home every day after class and you're just crying. Mm -hmm. And in my case, it was I'm going to cry. I'm going to drink. I'm going to do whatever, whatever else to just take away that pain. But you still have to put on a smile the next day. Always. Um, I broke. Enough was enough. Mm -hmm. I broke. And I asked my friend to borrow her car. And I drove. I didn't go to class that day. And I drove to the school, like our counselors. And um, I walked into a therapist's office. And he looked at me and he was like, you know, why are you here? And I just started crying. And I told him, I said, I'll make a deal with you. I will come to therapy whenever you need me to, but you can never tell my family.
2: Hmm.
1: I was petrified for them to know that I was weak.
2: Hmm.
1: Petrified. And he was like, okay, I'll make a deal. I went to him for about three months. Um, I never told anyone, hmm. ever, except that one friend, because I had to obviously continuously borrow her car, but I never <laughs> told anybody. And... um I realized then I have a problem. I found out that I had an addictive personality at that point. Mm -hmm. The numbers had Mm -hmm. now taken control. And um, it was to the point where he even thought it was a good decision that I needed to leave.
0: Leave college.
1: I needed to leave college. But I refused that, of course. Mm -hmm. Refused it. And this is when I guess God was just like, I have a right where I need her. She's broken. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really have anybody anywhere else to go at this point. Right. And um, honestly, if I would have kept going, I mean, suicidal thoughts had started back in junior year, mm-hmm. high school. So if I would have kept going, I know I wouldn't have made it out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sitting in my room one day and I am trying to come up with some excuse to get out of going to work and going to class. So I'm sitting there, and my phone rings, and it's my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And she said, Ashley, um, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, working. (laughs) What are you doing, you know? (laughs) And uh, she said, well, Ashley, they think I'm going crazy. And her tone scared me so badly. And I was like, Grandma, what are you talking about? And she said, well, people are making up lies about me, and um, I know they can't be true. And I was like, okay, what's wrong? She said, well, I don't want to be a burden to anybody. And this is too much for Pat, who's my mom. And She hmm. said, but I think I need you to come home. Hmm. That was on a Monday. By Thursday, I'd taken care of everything I needed to take care of to withdraw from college. Hmm. And I um, went to the admissions office and told them what I was doing. And um, the therapist cleared it for me to be able to leave on medical leave. Yeah, well. So that if I decided to come back, I wouldn't have failed out of college. Yeah, And clearly, you know, this was all God's hand. And I, um, I said, okay, well, my lease isn't up until the end of the month. I'll be home. And I moved home. Hmm. And that was it. My grandmother was diagnosed with dementia. And all she could remember for those initial steps was the 23rd Psalm. So she gave me this little white Bible that people used to give us at college, and I would, you know, distinctly, like, give them back to them in a very nasty way. But I kept this one. And um, I started reading it, and I said, you know what? It's selfish of me to deprive her of the one thing that brings her comfort. Hmm. So if she asked me to pray with her, I'm going to pray. I had no clue how to pray. My version of a prayer was, you know, Good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. Like, that was as far as I had gotten. I know that prayer. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea how to yeah. pray. And my grandmother was the old school prayer. So it was in her nightgown, on the side of her bed, on her knees, and you prayed. Right. So, I am very know, humbling to pray that way. It is. Mm-hmm. It, it is. So um, that was the end of my, high, of my college yeah. career. So what happened to your grandmother? Well, shortly after that, um, as with most Alzheimer's and dementia patients, she just slowly got worse. Mm -hmm. And um, what
0: were you doing that whole
1: time? Working. I had to help my mom. I had to help my mom. So I just, we were home working. And my job was to make sure that the woman who sacrificed everything for me was okay. And I didn't, I had aspirations of traveling and Mm -hmm. I wanted to put my communications degree to good use and... I, I always loved speaking and you know in in high school I was sent to different places to Dallas and all these different conferences to speak on behalf of diversity. I was determined to make the South see this is not what we're going to do today. Mm-hmm. So that is what my passion was. Yeah. So I was like this is what I'm going to do for a living. Yeah. So obviously you know my degree was in communications and I was like well I'll figure out a way to do something with this. Right. And um I stopped she was, she was my focus. And uh, Did it help to
0: focus on somebody other than yourself
1: for a while? Of course. She became the ultimate number. Oh, yeah. Alcohol couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Smoking and anything else couldn't do it. I, I wasn't. Now, I will say this. Men, not so much. When she said, and my mother, you bring a baby in here, you won't make it out, I believed that. I was so scared. <laughs> I, was, I was, let me, if anybody called my parents with any lies, they'd be like, that's not Ashley. Now, Ashley was at, you know, a party and may or may not have had on certain attire, and it was, that, that was me all day, every day. But anything else, no, I was petrified. But, um... She was my number. Mm -hmm. So I dropped everything. Hmm. Um, Caused so much tension in my life. My father, everyone other than my mom was so against this because they saw me stop everything. Uh, Shortly, I'm I'm time hopping, so keep me on the right schedule. But um, right around that time, I was working at a high school here Mm -hmm. And I was working with a program, um, Teens as Parents, and um, I met a coach. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I think I know him. (laughs) I met a coach, (laughs) and I remember thinking, uh, he is cute. And I was like, okay. And, um, yeah, marriage was never on my radar. Mm -hmm. I vowed, and this is going to sound so odd, but... I just wanted to be a mom. Hmm. I did not want a husband at all. Like, I try not to say that with disgust because I love him so much now, but I did not want a husband. I didn't see healthy marriages. Yeah. I was afraid of, like, petrified of marriage. Um, Well, then why would you want a baby
0: if you were afraid of relationships like that?
1: Because... When you don't have the presence of Jesus in your life, it's a hole. Because God created us in his image, obviously. And, you know, Jesus is here to lead us. So we're meant to come back to him, right? Mm -hmm. I ran from him like track star ran for 20 years Mm -hmm. from him. And I just figured I need someone and something to love me. And I'm going to pour so much love into this child. They'll never have to grow up too fast. They'll never have to experience things that I did. And I'm just going to love them so much that right. it's going to make it all better. Yeah, That's all I need. I just want to be a mom. I want to be a mom. And this was right around the time that the big tsunami hit Haiti. Hmm. So my vision, I called my other grandmother in New York and I said, um, hey, I want to go to Haiti. Can you make it happen with the Red Cross? And she was like, sure. So the joke was, Ashley's going to come back here with kids. She's, just, she's going to bring some babies back from Haiti. I was like, yep, I mean, as long as y'all know. So <laughs> that was the plan. You know, like this is, this is perfect for me. Right. Um, well, at the time, Irv and I were dating, mm-hmm. and we started getting serious. And I knew, huh if I go to Haiti, you might not be here when I get back.
2: Yeah.
1: So I had to make a decision to give up what I had been cooking on for about a good 20 years
0: mm-hmm. for a
1: guy that I met for like six months.
0: He was pretty cute, though.
1: He was, but <laughs> Haiti was real, you know. <laughs> so um, obviously, I chose to not go. Yeah. And that is when I really started seeing, okay, somebody else is orchestrating my steps here. hmm uh, upon meeting Irv, I discovered, you know, he had been married previously mm-hmm. and he had a child. So, my first thought was, this guy y'all talking about has a real funny sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So, you, you give me the one thing that you know I'm petrified of. And, uh, I was going to run for the hills,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but everything in me Including my grandmother was like you need to stay.
0: And was Irv a
1: Christian? He, oh yeah, he was a Christian. <laughs> he was born and raised in the church. His mother was the mother of the church. His sister taught praise dance. His dad was a deacon. Is a deacon. I mean, he was through and through. Um, and here I am, tattoos from head to toe. You know fresh out of partying, and I'm like, yeah, I don't believe in marriage, just want some kids. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yay! So, um, y'all can imagine the relationship between me and my mother-in-law, so yeah, it was a great time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, he grew up in the church. Ironically, he really didn't know a lot about Jesus.
0: Hmm. It's amazing how it can come from all these yes. backgrounds and... Have all this knowledge yes.
1: and when you have a, get it. a older background and um, Irv's the youngest mm-hmm. and the youngest by a lot and you have an older background and it puts you in that perspective so that was one of our commonalities but no it ended up being just two broken people who got to meet
0: so what did he think about this baby plan of yours he, was he like yeah.
1: all right. I thought he would run for the hills he really he didn't. His only thing was, you have to marry me. So I was like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. We, um, I fell in love with his son. I fell in love with him. He was so sweet. Mm-hmm. And I saw something in him that I remembered from me. And I figured, okay, I think I'm starting to get the hang of this. We go through things that we may be able to help others with. And I see this little boy who was three at the time, Mm -hmm. and his parents went through a nasty divorce. Mm -hmm. And all I kept thinking about was, hmm, if I can shine a little bit of light on this, maybe you won't end up quite as scarred. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the start of me and my 12-year-old's relationship. So,
0: from there, would you were still, didn't have a relationship with the Lord yet. Nope. But you were starting a relationship with Irv. Yes. And?
1: He introduced me to a church. Okay. Um, we started going to a church shortly after, you know, we dis- he proposed and we decided we were going to go to marriage counseling. And um, we're sitting there, well, the pre-marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, we're sitting there and they gave me a contract. And... He slid it across the table and there was the word submit at the top. So I slid it back. <laughs> and, and I told them, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> The connotation behind that word, it doesn't sit well with me. Uh, There was no teaching behind it for me, and I really didn't understand. So that, again, left a very negative taste in my mouth. Did you still
0: really have all this anger? Had you worked through any of it, or was this all just sort of adding?
1: It added to it. A lot of the anger was released because I fell in love. Mm -hmm. And when you fall in love, you decide, okay, it's time to grow up. Yeah. I have a little human now who I'm going to be a part of his life, right. whether it is as a friend or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. in whatever capacity. I don't want to do anything to scar him. Mm-hmm. So I shielded my emotions, a lot of them from him as well. And um, blended families, they have a lot of issues of adult egos and the children go unnoticed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I refused for that to take place. Yeah, My goal was to make sure he had a voice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I, I dealt with a good bit of it. And believe it or not, I actually I dealt with a lot of it while I was in therapy.
0: Hmm.
1: It helped tremendously. Hmm. So you guys got married. Yes, we got married. Um, prior to getting married, we my life took a, a very interesting turn. Um, I ended up finding out the one thing I wanted more than anything in this world, a child. Well, I couldn't have it. Hmm. I walked into the doctor's... Right, right? see? Sense of humor, Mm -hmm. right? That's why I cursed. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I walked into the doctor's office and I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. I did not understand. I started having a lot of odd symptoms and things just didn't feel right. And um, I went in and... This was, I think, my overall introduction to womanhood, honestly. Hmm. Um, The doctor told me that I had PCOS, but my version of it was extremely rapid. And some women, it just affects them internally. And, well, the, you know, polycystic ovarian disease or syndrome, some women, it affects them externally.
2: Hmm.
1: For me... Because my cysts were so bad, it would affect me both. Hmm. So I went from being very proud of my figure to gaining about 75 pounds in record time. Ah. I had facial hair because I had male hormones Mm. that went crazy because of all the bottled anger over the years. My cortisol levels were insane. So... I turned into a monster. And on top of all of that, the external changes, um, internally, when they pulled my ovaries up on the ultrasound, they called them chocolate chip cookies. I literally had so many cysts. I thought so, too. It was her humor. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's not funny, lady, but okay. (laughs) Okay. On the ultrasound, you saw it. And every visit, the cysts just kept growing. And it was so painful. So we started fertility treatments. And no one told me with fertility treatments that just adds on more of the bad symptoms. Mm. So now, um, I've gained 75 pounds. I have all of these disgusting symptoms. And my hair starts coming out. Mm. So the little bit of hope that falling in love brought me, meeting a man that looked at me like, unlike anyone had ever, all of that was gone.
2: Yeah.
1: So now my anger and my newfound hope turned into depression.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: the only place that depression led me was drinking
2: mm.
1: and eating and back to those numbers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it took me to a place where, I just didn't think I could come out of it. We started saving money. We convinced ourselves, it's okay, we can adopt. It'll feel the same. And um, I couldn't do it. I was so afraid. What if I can't love that child the way that I would if I conceived? And the only term that I can think of to describe it was inadequate. Why would God make me a woman if you take away what makes me a woman? Yeah. It didn't make sense. So we went through rounds and rounds of fertility treatments. It was terrible. And in the midst of this terrible time, as crazy as it is, I experienced love in a way I had never before from. If a man can scoop you up off the floor and you were just like this, it was like Oreos and, and like bad and wine and gross crying. And it's like, it's OK. I love you. I was like, oh, I believe in marriage. Thanks. <laughs> you know? So it was bad. And um, I didn't know what to do with the depression. Right. And I was just like, OK, I don't know what to do with this. So I gave it to God. How did that happen? I found that little white Bible my grandmother gave me, and I just started praying, and I said, I'm in a valley. I can't get out of this by myself, and one or two things is going to happen. You brought me this man, and he loves me, but you've taken away the one thing that we both looked forward to. Mm
2: -hmm. He's
1: going to leave me. Yeah, He's going to leave me, and now I'm half of a woman. I need help. Right. And I had an amazing support system my family pulled it together somehow to be there. And it was, um, it wasn't enough. It Mm -hmm. wasn't enough. So we ended up praying together. We would just pray together. You and Irv. Yes. That's amazing. And I went back to the doctor and I found out out of nowhere First of all, this should never happen. If anybody is a nurse in here, please don't ever do this to your patients. The doctors and three nurses walked in. They took the ultrasound and then they all left and walked out. And I'm like, what in the world? What just happened? I'm thinking I have cancer. I'm dying. This is the end. <laughs> and they come back in and the nurses are crying. And they knew I, I, I had no idea what's going on. So herbs just like gripping my leg. They turn off all the lights, put up the x-ray thingy and they put the thing up. All of the cysts were gone. Every single cyst was gone. Wow. So, yeah. (laughs) I immediately slid. I, I don't remember feeling my legs, but I just slid off the floor. And I was like, that's it. You got me. I surrender. Whatever you want us to do. I'll learn how to be a good wife. I'll study, I'll read, I'll aggravate people, I'll cook, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'll be a good wife, I'll be a good mom. I won't curse on stage. Right? Um, I I just, I said it right there. I was like, I'll I'll make this, you're real because I saw those pictures. Right? Um, My doctor came in and I said, you know, I don't know what to do now. And he said, if you give me 30 pounds, we'll do the rest. They weaned me off the medicine. I went on, a, I mean, a, just an insane training method. And I lost all the weight. Hmm. The facial hair went away. Hmm. Uh, my hair grew back. And Jackson was born. That's crazy. And he got here, and um, he's the sweetest little boy. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, Jackson helped me meet Jesus he has a light that I've never seen in a child. And um, it was scary because his arrival is what really let me meet Jesus. I ended up carrying full term 39 weeks and I had a placental abruption. So I started bleeding and my contractions were insane. And everyone, I have a very high pain tolerance, so everybody's looking at me and they're all my mom and my sister and Irv, they're like wincing at the thing and they're watching the contractions, and I'm like, get out. You are no help, get out. So <laughs> I couldn't feel anything at this point. Hmm. And I just kept telling God, You brought me this far. You're not gonna take them. You're not gonna take them from me. And they're all looking at me, and it was just a steady, you don't feel this. And I just prayed my way through it. Hmm. They told me I had to have an emergency C-section. And by this time, I was really good at the whole wife-mom thing. So I'm like, no, all natural. I have a doula. She's here. I I studied this. Like, I don't want that. So anyhow, we go in and um, had to have an emergency C-section. They took Jackson out. He's not breathing. And um, the room went silent. And I just remembered reciting the 23rd song. Mm-hmm. And he started crying. Your grandmother's My grandmother's prayer. He spent about five days in NICU, and we brought that little 10-pound bundle of joy home. <laughs> and um, believe it or not, the depression didn't quite go away because... My life has just been a continuous trading in of numbers until I really understood who Jesus was. So So how did you get to the place where you understood where Jesus was? Like I traded in all of the bad things to Jackson. He was my next number. Mm-hmm. So now I was going to shield you and protect you from life, from mm-hmm. air. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Is go- Nobody, nothing, not even your daddy is getting close. You know, it was a very unhealthy relationship. I jokingly call myself a smother mother, but it's true. And um, I met a man. We were at Cordoba, what used to be Cordoba, over on Garner's Ferry. Dang and much. I met this man. Exactly. Uh, he was on the phone, and I was eavesdropping, y'all. And... um <laughs> He was talking to someone and he was talking about God. And, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a good conversation. And he's, you know, they're fixing his food and he made the comment. He said, you know, I love coaching and I love leading people to God. And I'm like, Irv, go get out of line, go get him. So now I send, my husband is a linebacker. This man is about a four foot 11, little small, short glasses. I was, and he was 80. So I'm like, oh, he's gonna <laughs> give him a heart attack. So, so I told Irvin, like, go get him. So anyhow, but he be went. Gentle. You know, like, don't startle him. He went outside, and he was like, I know this sounds crazy, but my wife is nursing in that booth, and she really needs to talk to me. <laughs> so um, he came back in, and he and I started talking, and we formed this amazing relationship. He was a Presbyterian pastor, hmm. but he retired from hmm. being, whatever they call that, but he left being a pastor. And... He now trained life coaches. So I looked at him and I said, this is what I want to do. I want to take all my scars, all my baggage, and I want you to take it to your God and let him teach me how to help other people. <laughs> and he said, okay. He said, but first, you have to meet, he called God Abba. He said, you have to meet Abba for yourself, and then Abba's going to teach you about Jesus. I said, okay, I don't get it. You know, Explain. So over a period of us working together, I first became his patient. Mm -hmm. I knew I needed coaching because postpartum depression is real. Mm -hmm. It's scary. Your children are not crutches. I said that to myself every day, you know, pep talk. And um, he told me, he said, Ashley, I have to create a visual for you. I'm a very visual person and I needed that. And he knew the click wasn't coming. I could not trust yet another man. You're telling me Jesus is a man. It couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. He said, How about this? Jesus is a bridge. You want to see your grandmother again? You'll learn about Jesus. Okay.
2: It
1: so, was just that easy.
0: So who who did you learn that Jesus is for you? What did
1: what did that? I ran from him because he's accountability. And for me, I was so afraid of messing up and disappointing everyone. When, when you don't have what you think you should have to get, make people happy, or when you're not enough to be that chosen one, or you're not enough for these things, the last thing you want to do is disappoint someone. Mm-hmm. That became my identity. So I was petrified that this will be just another person I'll disappoint. So I put Jesus in a human form. I'm going to disappoint him, so I'm not going to do that. And now I understood he can give me a second chance to erase everything I've done wrong. Right. So when I really studied and I got what I should have got in college, it was like, oh, that makes sense now. And to know, you hear it, you know, he's the truth, he's the way, he's the light. But it's like, that doesn't make sense. That's just song lyrics. He really is the way. And for me, I needed a new way. I'd lost my way a long time ago. Well,
0: you had made your way.
1: Yeah, I made it. Exactly. I made it out of anger and depression and being petrified to be weak, feeling just inadequate. Right. And it was just one thing after another. So I discovered, you know, I get to, I get a second chance. Because Jesus is grace. He gives grace, and he doesn't. He doesn't ask for anything back except for you to trust him. Right. And I had an opportunity to do things right. I had an opportunity to be a real wife, not a worldly wife. Because in my eyes, a worldly wife, I can still work. I can still do these things. I can still do those things. And not saying Jesus doesn't want that, but hold on, what do did I you do? Submit. Oh, I did. <laughs> I did, but but. Because God still has a sense of humor. Someone told me submission makes you strong. That was all I needed to hear. I was like, yes. <laughs> I'm still strong. <laughs> I will, you know, listen to you and be strong when I do it. So yeah, it worked for me. Jesus' way is funny like that. You know, you know yeah. it was. And it um trusting him, not questioning, it made everything make sense.
0: And that's hard to do. I mean, certainly from where you were coming from, where really you were just shown the more I trusted people, the more I was sort of taken advantage of. Yeah. And, you know, then that left you lost. So having to say, no, 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 you're going to have to try this again.
1: Exactly. And, you know, it's one of those things where I just wanted to be accepted for being weird and flawed and different and me. Yeah. And I, I wasn't. Those were all bad qualities. But Jesus sat there and shows you all of those qualities are intentional and they're great and they're needed because there are other weird and flawed and tattooed and crazy people out here who need to hear about me.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's what happened. So it made sense in my my head to say, you know, now I am, you know, a mama and a wife and I love those roles and I love them because... I have a blueprint, mm-hmm. but it's not rules like that. Where in the past rules would have scared me half to death, right? Because I knew I would have never lived up to them. But now it's, I have grace. I'm gonna mess up, but I have an opportunity to get it right. I just have to trust. Yeah. Well,
0: we're gonna mess. Up. I mean, we ha- we are going to mess up. Of we, course. We can't be in control of that. Um. I I wanted to read. I pulled up this verse, um, because I was thinking about this today, actually, when I was learning in my, my youth group, um, but Frank always talks about how God has a design for us, and we mess it up. We call that sin, when we step out of God's design, and we mess it up, Yeah, and um, because we're going to sin, and there's there is no way around that. Jesus is the only way through that, and, um, and he tells us, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and I mean, I, I think of that Today, as I was listening to Frank and, yeah. and just, we're all victim to that.
1: We, we exactly. can't be in charge. We can't. But when you continuously sin and it just keeps beating you down and it just keeps cutting at who you think you are and you're measuring it against the world, right? you will be left empty and you will try to find everything in the world to fill that void. It wasn't until I understood somebody loves me so much, they died for me. I didn't feel that growing up necessarily from everyone I thought I should. So I tried to drain it from my mom. I tried to drain it from my grandmother. I tried to drain, you know, I I wanted it so badly from my dad. And when these things don't happen when you're a child and you need to just feel held, you have that with Jesus. That's amazing. Yeah. So that that helps a lot.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing with us tonight. This is an amazing story. Guys, when she said, I wanted a baby because I needed something to love me, I mean, I needed to hug her. How could she feel so alone? Except a lot of us know that kind of alone, that emptiness from feeling so inadequate, so rejected and the frustration of trying to fix it ourselves. That loneliness, it may have started by our circumstances, but we perpetuate it and we amplify it. We make our choices and we refuse God's perfect design. This refusal to trust Him, that's our sin. His design is so hard to see though, why? Because we aren't meant to see it, we aren't God. We are meant to submit to our Father, to trust Him, I know there are some of you that when you heard her say she shoved that paper with that ugly word, submit, when she shoved it back across the table, you thought, um, yeah, I would have done that too. And that was me once too, so I get it. But if that's you, you are missing it. You are missing out. It's not what you think it means. It's part of the partnership of husband and wife, of father and child. It's part of the trust. We are not here alone. You are not alone. You are not less worthy of this gift, grace, because you made a decade of bad choices. You are loved, and you are part of God's design. Thank you so, so much for listening to this month's The Well Podcast. Please share this with your friends and rate it on iTunes or wherever you're listening. If you have any questions or want to tell us something, email us at shandonwomen at gmail.com. Come and see us at Shandon Baptist Church for our next Well event. Our schedule is linked on the episode.